Hi, this is Karina Ganter's host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen. We are still NAPOD POMO. I think we're coming up to the last uh, few days um so it's very exciting I've, I've managed to do one every day edit promote post to record you know how it goes so um today my special guest is samantha bryant welcome to the show samantha so happy to be here thanks for having me i'm happy to have you here now you're one of my posse i've had lots of my posses on uh, this month who i know through uh zoom writing sprints and panels and writing talk and chats and everything now what i know about you you have a very unusual titled uh, series so before yes. we go into that, so I'm making everyone listen now, they've got to carry on listening <laughs> for them to find out what it is. See, that's how you do it, you see. And um, before we go into that, let's go back, way, way back, 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 back. When you were younger, were you a dancer? Were you a singer? Were you musical? Or were you just one of those that loved to tell stories? Um, when I got into school, I was a band and a chorus kid, so somewhat musical. Um, I'm, I am such a klutz that my parents put me in dance lessons, basically in hopes that I would learn to walk without falling down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I enjoyed it quite a bit and I didn't realize until I was much older that I wasn't any good. (laughs) So so my dance teachers must've done a good job making me feel confident and making me have a good time. Yeah, but, but, but I've always been into story. Like, you know, the, I, I began as a writer when I was about six years old, when my first grade teacher mentioned that besides just copying poems for handwriting exercise, that if I wanted to, I could write my own. And you did at six years old. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and so what was the first thing you had published where you actually had your first check as a published writer? Hmm. That I got money for? Mm. Probably, probably when I was in my early 20s and I had just moved to Alaska, um, I was primarily still a poet, but I was starting to write essays and I sold a couple of essays to a magazine that was out at the time called We Alaskans. Nice. And, so you were yeah, talking about where you lived. Those. Yes. And so you had your, your, your byline under the articles and the first time you saw your name in print. Yeah, actually, it's so long ago that it was a, a different name. <laughs> I've, been, I've been divorced and married again since then. So. Oh, well, I, you know, it, life happens, you know, and you just, you go, you go with it and you, you get on with things. So, um, so you were living in Alaska. Where are you now? Now I'm in North Carolina, kind of in the middle, like three hours away from the coast, three hours away from the mountains. So not as cold. No, um, today I'm wearing a sweater because I think it's only like in the low 40s. But like yesterday, it was 65 degrees. I wore shorts. Oh, my gosh. What a big difference. Yeah, I I don't think we get anything in North Carolina that should really be called winter. We get like (laughs) the occasional winter day, but we don't actually get a whole winter season. You don't get snow and nothing like that. Well, we'll get snow 
that um, causes widespread panic um, <laughs> and and lasts for about 24 hours. <laughs> we don't get it here on the island of Corfu. We have to watch the mountains over on mainland Corfu and see all the white tips and everything. But we, for some reason, because we're in Ireland, the snow just misses us. Hmm. Maybe yeah. it has to do with the way the winds work or something. It, it could be. But I mean, my, my girls got to see snow when I took them over to uh, the mainland. They got to build a snowman, have a snowball fight. You know, the joys of childhood. You've got to do it, don't you? Definitely. <laughs> you can't say to a child, what's snow? I don't know. I've never seen it. No, no, that's not right. Some wrong there. So um, your first book, I mean, did you self-publish? Did you have a contract? What was it and why did you write it? So um, my first published book was called Going Through the Change. It's a uh, the first of the menopausal superhero series. Do I mean, people, have you ever heard of a series with that title before? That is so niche. It's so unique. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Carry on. Um, I, uh, I worked with a small publisher, um, they, they were called Curiosity Quills and they have yeah. since gone, they've since gone defunct oh. and, um, that's kind of an ugly story. Like yeah. they, there are good and bad ways to close a business and, and deal they with did your, it the bad way. Yeah, they really oh, did. Dear. But good news for me was that because I'd been working on my writing career and all the networking and everything, when Curiosity Quills folded, I was already, I, I already knew John Hartness of Falstaff books. Uh, how many times I've heard that name lately? <laughs> yeah, we, we joke that eventually if you are a speculative fiction writer in the Southeast region of the United States, it's just John. There's nobody else who's published you. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, he might take someone in on the island of Corfu in Greece someday, you know, I might. He, he, he may. He may. Oh, he he has a few people who don't live in the Southeast region, but I, you go to a, a convention in the Southeast region of the United States and um, ask, you know, t 10 authors in the room who they're published with. And probably nine of them have at least something yeah. published with Falstaff. Yeah. 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 I hear that name a lot. And uh, it's, it's nice to, to, to have you lot all published with the same person and when when we hear the good news or that someone's just got their contract or whatever who's it with full stars well of course it is yeah john who else well, they, <laughs> they are they are great to work with yes so i've heard yeah they're fantastic and he really takes care of his authors he does take care of the marketing and he's a really really good publisher yeah i do know that um so back to to your first book why that topic? Well, um, the I'd, I'd written another novel before this one, um, and it was a uh, it's not published, and I don't know if it ever will be because I no longer have a passion for that story, and I'd need to go back and revise it, and I don't mm. know if I will. It might be just the book that I wrote to learn to write a book, but um, but that one was pretty dark. What genre was it? I would call it women's issues fiction. It it was because it's um, it was definitely focused on a woman's journey, so it's women's fiction. But there's a there was a lot about mental health. Um, the main character um, has a schizophrenic break and um, kidnaps a child. Wow. You know, yeah. 
Um, so it was dark and intense to write and honestly it was probably therapy for me dealing with, you know, things that had happened in my life. Yeah. Um, that's what we use our writing for. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when I got towards the end of that one, I, I was having to bribe myself to finish because it's not, it's not a happy story, mm-hmm. you know? And so I held out this other project on the horizon and it was like, if you finish this, then, then you, you can, can do start this that. Yeah. and this will be fun. You blackmailed yourself. I did. And the, you know, the reason I came up with the idea for these was because um, I've always been a superhero fan, like starting with Spidey on the electric company and Mighty Mouse, you know? <laughs> And um, as I got older, I had a harder time connecting to some of those teenage superhero characters. Like, I've always loved Spider-Man, but he spoke to me a lot more when I was a poor 15-year-old kid mm-hmm. than um, than he does now that I am raising a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> um, so I'd watched one of the X-Men movies, and I was talking with my husband about it, that the message seems to be that, you know, puberty causes superpowers, and I said, well, if that's true, if hormones cause superpowers, then menopausal women should have the corner on that market. And, you know, his reaction that's where was- the idea came. Exactly. <laughs> his reaction was like, oh my gosh, you totally have to write that. And- Really? I'm, oh, wow. I'm still what writing support? it. <laughs> what support? That's amazing support for your husband to turn around. So how many books are you in now with this series? There are uh, four published novels, two novellas, and a collection of short stories. And there's um, there's one that puts all the short works together in one book. Wow. And I'm, right now I'm writing the fifth book, which I intend to be the final book. Right. Did you know it was going to be five series, five book series when you uh, started? No. no, I'm such a pantser. When I started writing, I didn't even know it was going to be a series at all. I thought I was writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> I get you. I'm a pantser. I have been for how 21 years and I'm not going to change my ways. It's the way I write all my planning's up there and it mm-hmm. all comes out either pen and paper or on the keyboard. It's... Yeah. When I've tried to outline, it takes the fun out of it for me. Yeah. Like, yeah it feels like it was already done before I got there. It's not fun. No, exactly. Exactly. It's all new to us when we, when we just go straight off of, of our imagination of we've got that scene in our head. We haven't wrote it down. We took the scene in our head, write it down. What happens next? Well, he's going to do that. And, you know, and it just comes to us naturally. I think, I think pantsers are so much more gifted than planners. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that there are some planners who would disagree with us, but it definitely, <laughs> definitely, it definitely works for me. I figure yeah. in my, in my regular life, like, you know, in my living my day-to-day life, I have to be so planned, you know, I have to have thought far enough ahead to have bought the groceries. Oh, so that the lists have I have every day, yeah. ticking everything to do off. Oh yeah. My, my day is planned. Even if I have to put writing scheduled on there is planned, but that's, that's as far as I'll go to 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 any plotting or planning yeah right then when I sit down to write that's playtime I don't have to plan that there we go <laughs> I love that playtime I love that I love that term yeah. so who did your covers because I can see them behind you they're they're very yeah, bright a, and colorful aren't they yeah, there's a poster on the wall behind me here with that's that's the series as it stands today um most of the covers were done by an um the uh, associate editor for Falstaff Books, mm. Melissa M- Melissa MacArthur. 
And um, I think the fourth one, Melissa was unavailable for some reason. And so they had somebody else imitate her style. Um, but I think they did a good job. I like think they, they did all, a really good they, job. They, yeah, they all really blend. looks like they, yeah, they all sync really well. So did you have a say in the cover or did you just have to go with what the publisher wanted? Oh, they did ask my opinion. And um, definitely as we started looking at some ideas, they sent me images to see how I'd react and that kind of stuff. One of the things we struggled with is... Um, my heroes are not 20 years old and svelte necessarily. And so trying to get images that represented them at all was really difficult. Um, any kind of superhero stuff, everybody's super buff and super fit and don't have an ounce of flab on their bodies no, anywhere. It's about time to have a proper natural woman uh, that makes it more realistic when you have a, a woman that's real and not one of these skinny um, skinny type uh, model shaped uh, females. But um, couldn't they actually just draw the character in? Um, possibly. Uh, Falstaff has done some covers where they hire an artist to actually draw the stuff, but my covers are, I think they call it composite, where it's oh, made right. of images that already exist. And oh, so just they managed to find them and then just, yeah, play about with them. Yeah. No, I like them very colorful. I like the, the big uh, block uh, letters uh, for the, it's like a comic feel to it. Right. We we definitely wanted it to say superhero. And, um, you know, you've got all the silhouettes for like the secret identity kind of stuff. And, very, you know, as you can see, we've got the red cape going in a couple of them, even though none of my heroes wear a cape. It's, <laughs> we, it's, we, all listen, we all listened to, um, to Edna when she said, no capes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. We think of superhero. The first thing you think of is Superman. Right. That That's automatically Superman. Red cape, flying. Can your your super women uh, fly? Uh, one of them. I have. Uh, there's, you know, they they each have different powers, of course. And there's Jessica Rourke, who's a fly girl in her superhero life. Um, she started out, um, I would say, more like she lost contact with gravity than that she learned <laughs> that than that she could fly. She just couldn't stay on the ground and she didn't have any control. It was really bad uh, for her at the beginning. I want to see this made into an animated Oh, movie. there's a great scene in the there's a great scene in the first book where she thinks she's got it under control and she goes to the grocery store and then she lo she loses control in the grocery store and is trying to hold herself down in the meat counter and getting yelled at by the guy like you got to get out of there it's unsanitary <laughs> oh my gosh but can you i mean you've you've uh when you're writing as as any writer when they're writing a novel they picture it playing as a movie in their head would you can you see that as an animated uh series Ooh. would you want to see that as an animated series rather That's than a movie yeah, I don't know. When I when I've daydreamed about like, oh, it hits big and gets made into, you know, gets optioned and made into things, I've always imagined live action, but animated would be pretty darn cool. That would be a lot of, um the nice thing about animation when you're uh dealing with super heroic characters is that you know, you're not limited by actual physics or anything. You can draw people doing whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. My my daughter started doing uh animation. Uh, she was uh 
uh, into digital art and then she started with animation and just doing like a 15 second clip she had to do about 150 slides yeah it's yeah it's it's not that it's easier no it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I don't know you know people like on Fiverr and Upwork how much they're charged to do something like that but I think that would be ideal for your series for the next step that would be fun for the next step you should speak to John about that (laughs) I, I know when um when the books were first published I hired a graphic artist to draw them for me just so I had some images to use for promotion and that kind of stuff. Charles C. Dowd, he's a graphic um, novelist. And I really, really love the way he drew my characters. Oh, wow. Can he make them come alive in animation, though? That's Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he does animation. Yeah. Because you know, I, I haven't looked into that. But yeah, that's a neat idea. I, I, think, I think that's ideal, especially the next step. Have you got them on audiobook? Not so far. We had um, we had moved one. into production on the first book, and it it just fell apart. The um, the person that John hired their their life hit a, a rough patch, and they kept delaying and delaying and delaying. And then and when they, they finally delivered canceled. a product, oh, they did well, they deliver. Did, they did deliver a product, but it was not a product that could uh, oh, work. You know, it wasn't the right. Uh, I don't know the behind the scenes stuff. You well, know, I, it, you know, I hope he, he didn't uh, get done for that. I hope he got his money back for that. If it wasn't, if it wasn't uh, up to standard to be released as an audio book, then you don't pay for it. Right. And I don't know what his arrangement was with the, um, with the recorder. Oh, that's a the, shame. The narrator, but but yeah. I do hope you, you, um, you go ahead and do that again. Cause um I, well, I do a lot of my own reading as audiobooks, and it hurts my heart a little that I don't have them out as audiobooks yet. But that's have one of spoke- the things when you're working with a publisher, you know, you got to. Have work you spoken with them. to John and said that you do your own narrations and that you'd gladly do one of your own books? Have you said that to him? I have. And, and um, you know, it's just when do I get to the top of the queue? Because as right. we've said, he publishes a lot of people. Oh, oh, that's a shame. But that's something to, to think about in the future. But uh, oh, for yeah, sure. when, when, you, when you're in a contract, there's only so much you can do outside of it. That's a problem. When uh, That's why so many people go indie because yes, it costs money. Yes, it costs a lot of time. Um, but it's, it's, your decision and then you get to do the merch you get to do the audiobook and if you wanted to do turn it into a film or animation script or whatever and you get to do that as well but um I do have plans for some totally indie projects in the future I was going to ask yeah what about uh doing this what's next for you after this series is finished well I've got a collection of um kind of I call them weird tales, you know, those like not quite horror, but just kind of strange things happen. They're a little cool. dark. Cool. It's called it's called uh, Shadow Hill stories because they all take they all take place in a neighborhood that I've called Shadow Hill. Oh, I like that. So I've got I've got the collection together. I've had it edited. I just haven't um, because I've had deadlines to meet for this series. I haven't um, finished. You know, I haven't processed all the edits got the formatting done, gotten it released. So as soon as I have turned in the fifth menopausal superhero series novel and I'm done with my contract work, that's what I plan to do is to finish that indie project. 
And then I've got a gothic romance that I've um, had to sit down a couple of times already that I'm anxious to get back to and finish. Oh, I like, isn't it amazing when you've got that uh, juice again, that something yeah. excites you again, because you've been working on something for so long and you're like, yes, you love it, but you want to try, you want to step away from it, you want to try something new. And then when you start writing and you start, get you get it back into the zone and it's like, oh, I forgot what this felt like. Oh, it's amazing just, just to write and to to love what you're doing and, and to read it and to admire your own work and to see everything come alive and the characters talking. And I, I just, I love that. I'm in the process of doing that. I've moved away from my last novel that I should be writing. Sorry, fans, you have to wait a bit longer. And started <laughs> on a short story for my first ever anthology, if I get into it. Um, Oh, I love writing for anthologies. I've, ne yeah. I've never had the chance to submit to one. Every time I hear about one, they're already being published. <laughs> I, never, ah. I never hear about submissions. So this sort of landed on my lap and it was like, okay, what's the theme? All right, I'll have it to you. When do you want it by? As soon as you can. Okay, started it. I'm on 6,000 already. I'm absolutely loving it. And it's just so nice to, like I said, get in the zone again and feel that how how it used to be because you get mm -hmm. so bogged down with a series and the same characters same same genre that when you step out of it out of your comfort zone into like gothic romance it just just brings it all back and why you became a writer in the first place yeah short stories are definitely addictive that way because you can you can try something on and finish it so much faster because mm -hmm. we're talking about you know as short as 3,000 words can be a complete story. You know, it depends on what genre and what you're doing. Well, I do flash fiction. I mean, we're talking 500 right, can, words is a complete yeah, story. A <laughs> yeah. So, um, Shadow yeah, Hill, I, what sort of length are those stories? Those are the, I, I think the shortest one in it right now, you know, unless I change it before I publish it, is um, 3,500 words and the longest is about 8,000 words. Oh, right. So they, they're really good uh, good sizes then for the, how many is it, stories are there? I plan for there to be 13. Because, wow. You know, yeah, just 13. Like, of course left, you're going to have 13. the number 13. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And what about the cover? What do you, what do you see in your mind for the cover? Um, I have a working cover that um, the same lady who did these covers, I hired her off the side to make me ah. a cover, which is uh, one of those big suburban houses, but with like lightning in the sky and strange light in the windows. So you know that odd things are happening in the house. You know. Nice, nice. Yeah. And it's on the hill, I suppose. Oh, definitely. Don't they all have to be on a hill? <laughs> Somehow every house in the neighborhood is on a hill. <laughs> shadow hill estate <laughs> yes i like that but yeah, yeah i when remember I, when i'm playing when i'm playing away from my novels i definitely write short stories and i like to write horror short stories or at least dark ones it's it's nice when you can uh, get into that uh, dark side it's like when i went in and i started doing dark romance and i could get so evil and I really put my character through hell and back and I love every minute of it because that'll never happen in real life and it just allows it allows you to have fun with it but it allows the reader to really get 
involved and get sucked into the drama that's going on and the conflicts and the the hurt that you put your character through the pain and the anguish and oh, I love it it's the best I I am sadistic in the same ways I think yeah yeah <laughs> I yeah tell, I always tell people it may look like Laura Ingalls Wilder right here but inside it's more like Wednesday Adams yeah yes <laughs> it's like you, your alter ego comes out in your writing you know this is who I'd love to be if I could get away with it <laughs> Like I write horror when I want to save the world. I, I mean, I write hero when I want to save the world, and I write horror when I'd rather watch it burn. <laughs> do you use that anywhere? I love that. I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I love that. So, um, so you've got the series to finish. Then you've got your your Shadow Hill, which I can't wait to read. That sounds amazing. And then you've got your Gothic romance. Has it got a title yet? Uh, working title is The Architect and the Heir. Oh, sounds a mm -hmm. bit uh, fantasy. It's um, it's set in, um, you know, made up um, late 1800s England. Could it yeah. be steampunk? Um, it maybe could be, but I, I don't think it will be. I think mm -hmm. I think it'll be... Um, Right now, I've got a uh, uh, my my architect is actually the woman, and she's you know breaking the mold by building a career as an architect in eighteen ninety. In eighteen ninety, yeah, that's unheard yeah. of. Yeah, she's been using her father as a beard for many years, so that uh, ah, people will nice. unknowingly build her designs. And she gets hired by an heir who just inherited this. Oh, an heir as in H. I thought when you yeah. said heir, I thought you went. That's why I was like fantasy. Oh, air. No, no air, hair. Air. Hair. Yes. Air. Yes, air. Got ya. Yeah. Uh, the architect so she, in the air. Got ya. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um she gets hired by, you know, some rich dude who just inherited the family estate. And, you know, of course it's got secrets that working on it is going to uncover. And yeah. Nice. And the romance is going to be, of course, between the air and the architect. We'll see. Oh, right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe secondary characters. Love it. Okay, so I want to go back to, to your poetry. You mentioned that a little bit, that you started off with poetry. Um, do you still write it? Because, I mean, I've had poetry published. I'm not a poet. I don't like reading poetry. But when I'm in the right mood, I can write it. Mm -hmm. I still I do still write poetry but I very rarely seek any kind of publication for it mm -hmm. I, I might like post it somewhere like you know put it on my blog or put put up uh, something on social media or something but um, I very rarely try to get it published I don't think I will ever put out a collection of poetry but sometimes if I have some tough feelings to deal with, um, poetry is still the best way therapy. for the right for the writing is my therapy kind of yes, thing. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. yeah, poetry can really get those emotions out when when yeah. You if all to. if all you ever read by me was my poetry, you would think I have the darkest, most depressing life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then you write the menopause uh, series, and uh, right. yeah, I love it. I love it. That's so, so unique. So yeah, this is this is it. Um, it's such a unique and um, unusual, and you've got a niche. 
how is it going with the marketing? I mean, who is your ideal reader and who's buying your books? Um, well, I think I started out writing with myself in mind, you know, basically like Toni Morrison said, right? If there's a book you want to read and it hasn't been written, you will have to write, write it. Write it, yes. Yeah. So I want, you know, I definitely am looking at middle-aged women uh, mm -hmm. um, and people who are into superhero, but maybe would like to see something a little different. A little bit genre. different. Yeah. Yeah. But I found um, that it's a little wider than that. I have a lot more male readers than I would have expected. Cool. And, and, you know, and when I'm, when I've got it uh, up on a table and like, you know, I'm at a book event or something and people are walking by every, you know, it always gets a reaction. <laughs> just people like what menopausal superheroes. And it's just as likely to be men or women who are either delighted or disgusted. You know, some, <laughs> some people are really strange about just even just the word menopause. Yeah. They, yeah, they get, they get squicked. We're not, I guess we're not talking about periods and blood and menstruation we're talking well, no, about the menopause the yeah exactly right, the opposite why would <laughs> why would puberty. people cringe for that for that word uh, I, I i just think it has to do with you know, ageism sexism being uncomfortable with women having physical bodies and physical needs you know it's it's all yeah. our society societal baggage it really is it really is yeah so um samantha where can people find your books right now so they're all on Amazon. Um, you can also buy them directly from the publisher at fallstaff.com. Mm -hmm. I think it, actually, I think it's fallstaffbooks.com. And, um, you know, you can contact me through my website, samanthabryant.com. And, uh, you know, I post all the time on all different kinds of social media, anytime that there's a sale or, or an event I'm going to be at or anything like that. So, so you're on all the social media platforms people can find you? Uh, yeah, I think I, I hit a lot of the big ones. I'm still on Twitter, even though it's weird over there. I'm I'm on strange, I'm yeah. on Facebook. I'm trying out some Twitter replacements like Have um, Hive and Mastodon and Counter Social. But and how are they yet. going? Uh, they're all interesting, but I um, you know it takes time to kind of build up uh, a community on a mm. on a new platform and so I don't know I'm certainly not going to try to keep all of those because I need time to write actual oh, work yeah not of just, course but yeah. let me know let me know if if one of them does uh take on a, a good Twitter um twin because uh, I tried um what was it called um Palmer was it Palmer Palmer or something and all it was with politics yeah, uh, I, I I left straight away because it's like one of those places where you can say anything you want and nobody's allowed to disagree with you and and get upset with you. It's an open say what you want right. sort of place. And, and I was like, open sounds good, but um, people people get weird about it. You know, yeah, I, I, I feel like you know, you sure you can say whatever you want, but that doesn't save you from the consequences of what you've said. Yeah. I think I've still got an account there, but I haven't been there for, for months and months. I'm beginning with a P. I can't remember what it is. But it was supposed to have been uh, the next best thing to Twitter. Mm -hmm. But but it totally took her on a, a different monster. Um, and we've got, Twitter's got the biggest monster at the moment over there. And uh, <laughs> I, I laughed. I laughed at one of his tweets yesterday. It was said, Apple is um, threatening to take us off of the, all of their apps, but I don't know what we've done. And I'm like, 
seriously that's the biggest joke around i don't know right. what i've done honestly anyway uh, yeah you don't get to play stupid and pretend you're the smartest man in the room at the same time <laughs> was, oh the amount of comments that i didn't even bother looking at them but you can imagine yeah. what the comments were going to say i don't think uh, he's uh, yeah. that popular over there <laughs> I, I i've actually muted his name <laughs> i love it because yeah, he's the he's the least interesting thing over there. Oh no, he made that made me laugh that tweet when I saw that. I actually laughed, li- literally laughed out loud, and thought that's the okay, biggest good. joke I've seen all day. So yeah, I'll, at I least keep some his entertainment tweets. value. Exactly, exactly. That's what he's given us all entertainment. Some of his the things he writes in his tweets. You thought Trump was bad. I mean, he, he's just like he doesn't understand what's going on. He thinks he's hasn't done anything wrong he's the innocent party he doesn't understand why everyone's suddenly and what's he's like what's going on with twitter it's not going to implode Opens dictionary looks up narcissist um, <laughs> exactly oh my god anyway enough of him we don't want to talk about him um thank you so much for being a guest on behind the pen samantha it's been such a fun chatting with you about your wonderful books and i wish you all the best with uh, your your future ones and i can't wait to read uh, shadow hill that's right right up my street or should we say hill um oh, or and down your dark alley down the dark alley <laughs> yeah um all the best with everything and thank you again for being a guest yeah thank you have a great day Hey folks, you're listening to the podcast Behind the Pen. Behind the Pen brings you fun and entertaining interviews by amazing creatives. And if you'd like to support and keep the podcast going, you can donate via my Linktree page. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Karina Gantas, all small letters. Every dollar helps me share my platform with these amazing artists. Don't forget to follow like and review the podcast your support means everything